Hello and welcome to Plot Trists. This is Lane. This is Meg. And today we're reviewing The Duke Undone by Joanna Lowell. So this was just published in April of 2021. And full disclosure, we did receive a free advanced reader copy from NetGalley. And at this point, it's a standalone novel, but neither of us would be surprised to see it as the first book in a yet-to-be-established series. I will say that I looked it up on Goodreads, and it said first in Untitled. And I thought, oh, that's actually kind of a cute name for the series based on an artist. <laughs> but it's actually just an Untitled series. so <laughs> Perfect. I will let you guys know. Um, I mean, when I say you guys, I mean Joanna and Berkeley. If you guys want to take my idea and call it like the Untitled series, go for it. That would be super cool. <laughs> well, and I assume that would work especially well if the other future heroes and heroines were students of the same art school. Well, I'm I'm assuming that there are at least two I can think of who would be heroines of the next of two more books. So yeah, and I but I also have a hunch his sister. It's possible, yeah. Okay, then, uh, sister is she? Well, no spoilers. Never mind. <laughs> so there's there are potential characters who could have subsequent books who are not students of the art school. Is all I'm saying. Correct. That's true. <laughs> but they could have and, like, artistic editing purposes. No, his sister is not married. Because remember, there's that line of dialogue about how her husband went to marry. Yeah, bigamous, right. right? Okay. He was. He already had a wife in the state, so their marriage wasn't already valid. married. So is okay. I was like, wait, married? No, wait. So never mind. Yep. No, I saw where your brain went. Well, <sighs> let's read the jacket, Lane. When Royal Academy painting student Lucy Coover trips over a naked man passed out in an East End alley, she does the decent thing. She covers him up and fetches help. Trouble is, she can't banish his muscular form from her dreams as easily. Compelled to capture every detail, she creates a stunning portrait, but is forced to sell it when the rent comes due. What can be worse than surrendering the very picture of your desire? Meeting the man himself. Anthony Philby, Duke of Weston, is nobody's muse. Upon discovering the scandalous likeness, he springs into action. His infamous family has been torn apart by shame and secrets, and he can't afford more gossip. Even a whisper may jeopardize his inheritance and his chance at independence. His plan is simple. Burn the painting, confront the artist. Or rather, it's simple until he meets Lucy and decides to offer the bewitching young artist a devil's bargain. He'll help save her foreclosed home if she'll help repair his family's brutal legacy. An irresistible passion ignites between them. But when danger strikes, Lucy and Anthony must risk everything for a love that might destroy them both. Um, inaccurate, but inaccurate, fine. but I don't care. Yeah. Here's I'm just gonna like dive right into one of the first things that I found like ridiculously unbelievable about this premise. Mm -hmm. He is in an alley filled with refuge in like refuse in a gross part of London laying naked turned out on the ground and she's like that is a beautiful man and recalls his face so clearly that from memory she sketches it to the point that everybody knows it's him i've mm -hmm. seen pictures of myself not drunk in an alley but like not at my best 
<laughs> and let me just say that if anyone took paintbrush to canvas to depict me in that state and then anyone recognized me, I would die. Not because of the shame of like being painted nude or whatever, but because if you recognize me as my worst drunk self, that's horrific. <laughs> it's horrific. Okay, so spoiler alert, not for the book, but for the episode. We're going to be talking a lot about suspension of disbelief. And if we like that or if we don't like that, basically. I think that's yeah. going to be the main debate of this episode. <laughs> I don't know if like is the word I'm going to use. Mm-hmm. It, both of us were entertained as hell. Oh, absolutely. So let's just put that out there. So before we dive into the rest of what the suspension of disbelief was, this week the random number we generated for our summaries was seven. So Meg, what is your seven-word summary? Unlikely alcoholic air becomes artist's naked muse. I like it. Thank you. How about you? Um, so you went with plot. I did. And I went with another plot inconsistency to me. All great artists must draw a penis. <laughs> so that's a plot inconsistency for you? Um, I was laughing the whole time about how, like, the central conflict between her and her friends is how they're fighting to be able to see and draw more penises. <laughs> well, I mean, like, the hu human forms. They also want to draw boobs, I think. Sure. But the book opens with her seeing a penis that she did not ask to see. And she's so excited about it. Like, not, she like, is. turn like, on. Oh, right, like, oh, my God, this is what a dick looks like drawing this right now. So the fact that, like, the entire plot and her main conflict hinge on uh I'm not that delicate I can totally paint a dick makes me like like this this book is about like the 1850s equivalent of like unsolicited nudes and dick pics and the fact yeah. that like that is fundamentally the plot had me cracking up yeah I mean it's it's super entertaining is it oh, yeah. is it believable at all that from one chance encounter like maybe an hour like maximum an hour she has to sketch this guy max she did not like sit there and draw his no. face to lifelike realism in that alley absolutely not no i will tell you i did read another romance where the central conceit was was painting but the the central conceit with that is that there was forced proximity because the model mm. agreed to model for the artist and so they had to see each other late at night modeling like kind of in a risque dress and like that <laughs> That book really emphasized the fact that you have to see the model in the same pose over and over and over in the same lighting to be able to produce a good painting. And so, like, from the start, we had some... With the very least to produce a good likeness. And I get yeah. that her whole point is she wasn't trying to paint his portrait. Right. But the point is still that everybody recognized him from the Everybody picture. recognized him. I mean, I'm wondering, like, even if... Let's say I got painted, you know, and would people actually even recognize my face? Because the thing with this guy is like they recognize him immediately. Well, and I've seen paintings of people I have then seen pictures of. Mm -hmm. And they don't really look anything alike. And this He's, is like yeah. portraits. This is like paintings that were supposed to be exact licenses. 
Well, and in many cases, I still don't find them that convincing. And so you're telling me from memory, she's like ruined this guy's life because it's definitely his face. But you know what? I was just like, that's fine with me. I'm just going to believe it. I'm just going to go with it and, and enjoy this book. That, yeah. So that was my take on it. I was just like, you know what? I don't care how plausible this is. I like it. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I was like, yep, I'm in. I'm, I'm in. I'm in. Basically, you have to decide in the first epilogue, like the first few pages, are you in or are you out of this book? And I was, I was like, pretty out, but yeah. in a way that I was like, but now I need to know what the hell is going to happen here because it is batshit. Yes. <laughs> Uh, okay, I guess we ha- we really should do the tropes. Like I'm just this book so- had all of them. All yes. Yeah, so I I actually I actually identified a few even in my summary. So he is uh, an unlikely heir. Yeah. So never his, to inherit. He was the second son, but his brother was like a giant bag of dicks and died in a really atrocious scandal. It, yeah, yeah, like pretty gross. Mm-hmm. Um, there are a lot of will shenanigans. Okay, but there's there's a layer to these will shenanigans that also involves forgery mm-hmm. and to obtain corrected documents. So I feel like it's not just like the dad made this crazy will and his dad then died. It's like the will is still being modified into the present. Yes. It was very weird. It was very weird. And again, are you in or are you out? I was in. I was like, give me some more will shit. Do it. <laughs> you know, like the you think that there's this one. So there's this one part of the will. And then like he fulfills it. And then there's another part of the will. <laughs> I was like, I'm like, why not? Of course. Of course there is. Like I wasn't. And then it turns that. out there are other forage documents. My problem with it was like. Okay, if I'm reading this based on how much it made me laugh, it was great. If I'm reading this based on not just believability, but, like, cohesion of the author's story, Mm -hmm. there was so much genuine interpersonal conflict that it felt like never got dealt with. Yeah. Like, he's an alcoholic. She lives on the edge of destitution. They're from different social classes. All of that sort of gets waved away. Mm Mm-hmm. And then when they want a conflict, they come up with another page of the will. Another more Wilson. And it's like, okay, but if you wanted to like this book, I didn't need this manufactured stuff. Like, I need you to make me like the main characters, and I don't. I had more, I had a lot more issues with him than with her, personally. Agree, but I think she was almost a manic pussy dream girl trope, which I always find annoying. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, she is like the typical student artist you know like she dresses all bohemian and and that is both as a stylistic choice and because the nicest fabric she can get her hands on to make her own clothes because she's poor are relatively flamboyant and so she's just decided to own this perceived eccentricity because that's better than showing up in secondhand clothes yeah um they are both sad tragic orphans and they both have major daddy issues so her father was an alcoholic yep though and And her mother his father was a total asshole yeah her mom died of some disease yeah her mom it's sort of unspecified and then her dad 
Yeah, I was just going to say they lived in poverty, so she died of one of those poor people diseases of the. And then her father, his alcoholism got worse, and then one night he fell down the stairs drunk. His mom died in an asylum. Mm -hmm. And then his father barely outlived his oldest son. Mm -hmm. So it's just all very like tragedy porn, but in a way that I was laughing out loud at. Again, I was like, give me more. Give me more of it. I just want to, I'm stretching my disbelief right now. So just do it. Just go all the way. So for me, I was like, yeah, more, the more the merrier. So one of the things with like the over the top ridiculousness, I think the other thing about it though, is that she doesn't write it as over the top. Like we're not talking about sinsters. Like I thought that I was marrying this cousin, but actually I'm marrying this other cousin who I thought Mm -hmm. was going to be my mistress, you know? Right. The things that she puts in as over the top are things that could actually happen. Mm -hmm. You know, like one of the major plot points is um, like the, the rent laws of Mm -hmm. the whatever 1870s, 1880s, whenever this was set. And I like, I am, I did not double check this research, but I got the feeling that it was like very well researched and these were actual laws of the time, you know? Yeah. Well, and she brings up like Irish home rule and she brings up a lot of issues tied to the war, the Boer war. And Afghanistan was pre-Boer, right? I don't know. (laughs) Please don't ask me about the wars of the 1800s because I don't remember. I don't know. I think it was not the Boer war, the war in Afghanistan. Yeah. Um, but I guess, I guess for me, I was just like, yeah, I, I will take it all, but I can totally see if you have something that, if something like this actually happened to you, it could be a lot tougher to take that way. I think because she fails at making it serious, mm-hmm. it feels like a dramatic device at the very least. Yeah. If not something to be like, not necessarily that she's trying to make you laugh, but it's, she's trying to make you gasp in shock. Mm-hmm. And so I think seeing some pretty serious issues trivialized sometimes really works for me and other times really doesn't. And for a lot of reasons here, like she clearly did a lot of research and then I felt like really poorly explained it in text and didn't Mm -hmm. make the characters very sympathetic in the way they reacted to it. Mm -hmm. Like he's a Lord who's done Jack with the house of Lords. Exactly. Like he, since inheriting, which again, he didn't expect to do he has done nothing except, so, God, he wasn't an alcoholic before he inherited. But right. after he inherited, he dealt with all of the tragedy happening in his life by deciding that he was going to be, like, he kind of made this decision almost to be an alcoholic, right? I mean, correct right. me if I'm wrong. That's how it yeah. felt me. And so he spends, like, every night going out and getting, like, shit-faced. And just lives his life drunk. Um, yeah, it was it was weird. But and it, but it's not just that. It's the way he like starts to educate himself on housing issues and on like the the estate problems on his own land. And he like beats himself up about it, but then ultimately sort of does nothing. Oh, and FYI, guys, he is also dyslexic. I forgot that part. Is that even a trope? I feel like, like we've seen it so often yeah. that like hero of the peerage who is supposed to be this paragon of society who has a medical condition or other learning disability that has prevented him from like being confident for whatever reason 
Yeah, it hasn't, it has not prevented him from learning to read because he has learned to read basically by uh, memorizing the words as though they were characters. Mm-hmm. As though they were like pictures, not characters. Right, right, right. I'm sorry, right. characters like, I'm speaking like Chinese characters. Right, right, right. You know, like as a whole, not as a phoneme. And um, so it hasn't held him back from like actually learning to read. It's held, it's held him back from enjoying reading for leisure. You know, but I'm like, you're a Duke. You can hire a secretary to read all this shit to you if you want. Right. It was just, he was a pretty shitty character, and I don't think it was on purpose. Yeah. So. I don't know. Are there are there other tropes you want to talk about? I, I kind of just want to get into the book, and I'm sure these will come up as we talk about it. Um, I just want to point out, because I don't think this is relevant to the text, and will come up, and uh, initially he mistakes her for a prostitute. Oh, yes. Which has happened in a lot of romance novels with class conflict, especially. Especially, uh, yeah. And I would also just like to point out, because I don't think we'll talk about it organically, that he has an engaged against his will subplot, which, hi, Sarah McLean. <laughs> I, I sort of, I talk about it obliquely, but yeah. Okay. So, um... Listeners, I actually gave Lane some homework before this episode. I sent her a couple of videos that I asked her to watch. Oh, I didn't even get that email. Oh, you didn't? I sent you like two. Too bad you missed them. Um, Because basically, I was, as I was reading this, I was thinking to myself, why am I so entertained by this? Like, why is this so entertaining to me? It made me really think about my media choices and like why I like what I like mm-hmm. and it made me think about specifically about science fiction like on the screen not in books but because if you have ever so I'm, I'm a big science fiction fan I like love Star Trek I love Star Wars whatever and if you've ever watched the like the raw footage it's so ridiculous because they have to take everything so seriously and just hope that later the special effects are going to come in and the sound effects are going to come in and it will look really cool later and it does most of the time look really cool but for me what's interesting is seeing these actors have to take these ridiculous lines so seriously Mm -hmm. and that's kind of how I felt reading this book okay was that this was written, and if you were in the mood to, like, take this really super seriously, I think that it would work for you. And that's how I felt. So when I say entertain, I actually was not, like, laughing out loud or anything at this book. I was just like, yeah, this is entertaining to me. Like, I was really enjoying it. I was like, give me more of this ridiculous, over-the-top drama, like, horrible tragedy things that are happening to them. I wasn't like super emotionally invested, but I was very interested to see what was happening. And I feel like, okay, this is kind of how I feel you must be when you're acting in like Star Trek, basically. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So that's why I'm saying for me, that's why it was so such a big thing with suspending your disbelief. If you can suspend it and just be like, yeah, all of this stuff is happening to these two people. I think you would really enjoy the book. So I think the di- where you and I differ is I can do that, 
But if you're asking me to kind of ignore or just accept a ridiculous premise, I need to really like the characters. Mm -hmm. Like that's how to get me to say, all right, yeah, this was insane, but I really liked them. And I didn't hear. Yeah. So I think ultimately I was unable to buy it because I didn't like people enough to look past any of it. Yeah. Like, and I don't, I'm not as into sci-fi as you are. Mm -hmm. And so I I think those ridiculous premises I do like what I call good sci-fi, mm-hmm. but I think I can't handle mediocre stuff. My go-to genre of movie is actually full-blown action, mm-hmm. which I know is less yours. And that's like, yeah, it's a ridiculous premise, but you're not asking you really buy it. You're asking right. me to enjoy these fight scenes and these explosions, and I can totally do that. Yeah. And so I think this just yeah. didn't work for me because it 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 sort of wasn't bad enough to be so bad it's good. Yeah. And I didn't like the characters at all. Yeah. I mean, I think I think like action and sci-fi are actually very similar, but yeah, they are. It's just a little bit just a little bit further. Like you have to not just believe the explosion and the, you know, the romance and all that stuff. You also have to believe that there are explosions and romance while someone's like wearing a full headgear to make it look like a Klingon you know right (laughs) so (laughs) that's the difference between us (laughs) yeah but but yeah there's just a lot of stuff that happens we talked about some of it but what are the main will shenanigans (laughs) oh my god so effectively the will his father left behind made him a legal child until he was 30. Mm-hmm. Somebody else controls the purse strings. And then apparently there are all there's all this subtext about how if he fails on any of these individual criteria, the state of legal childhood will continue into perpetuity mm-hmm. as governed by these two like friends of his dad. I found it all really interesting in the current environment because I think a lot of people are talking about framing Britney Spears right now Mm -hmm. and her conservatorship and how in a lot of ways like she's legally unable to live her life as an adult in charge of a lot of her own stuff and I haven't seen the documentary I haven't like I don't have like intense knowledge of this so that's not the perspective I'm trying to take here but I do think the idea that he could be as a duke a peer of the realm a duke could be made so impotent by a deathbed will I just find really unbelievable and it's part of what made me hate him was that he sort of just took it at face value like you dude you're like one of the 30 most powerful people in the country and your response to being made a legal child is to just go get wasted well and the thing is too so he was court-martialed for for drunkenness he wasn't drunk he wasn't drunk at the time he actually didn't, didn't do what they charged him with yeah so he was court-martialed he was acquitted because he's a you know son of a he dude. would never have been charged regardless <laughs> he comes home <laughs> he comes home and then turns out he's the heir and his father his father believed that he was drunk and so the will basically says, look, if you go out and um, if you let a drop of alcohol pass your lips, then you don't meet the conditions of the will. Sorry. You know, you Which, will be. In first of all, 
most title inheritance had nothing to do with wills. Well, I don't think it's the title. I think it was all the money and the houses and everything. Right, but some of those houses and some of that money is entailed. It's tied to the estate. So how the fuck was that kept from him? It was his mother's money. Remember? No, no, no. I get that his father had some ability to like regulate, but like the the stuff that that's the house, the estate tied to the dukedom, any like uh, what's the profit from that should not have had any, the will should have had no bearing on. So I thought this was like really poorly thought through. That part unbelievable. And this is the part where like he hasn't anything for his sister clause. Yeah. So his sister's gone missioning. He's trying to find her. So it's not just like, okay, get some, your fucking act together and petition for this will to be looked at. Cause it's clearly insane. But the reason you want access to this money and this freedom is to check down your sister. And that's not even motivation for you to ask any questions. Okay. Well, you suck. Yeah. Well, and it's, it's not just that too. It's like this guy who never was an alcoholic before yeah. all of a sudden is like, you know what? I think this is a great way to deal with all these issues, especially since there's a will that's keeping me from having all my money until I'm 30 is like, I can't drink, but you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to start drinking. I thought this was also a really poor depiction of alcoholism in that, like, this isn't a character who wakes up hungover and bleary-eyed and, like, I, what's the book we just read by Sherry Thomas? Oh, he's an uh, alcoholic. Ravishing the Heiress. Yeah, I thought that depiction of his drinking problem was well done. Yeah. Like, he's he felt consequences for his action. I feel like, ultimately, if you were to ask the author, I'm not sure she'd describe this character as an alcoholic. Yeah. Because there's no description of any sort of physiological or psychological dependency. He's just choosing to black out to escape without any repercussions in terms of like hangovers and shit. I don't know. I like it actually really pissed me off now that I'm thinking about it. <laughs> yeah. But it's it's just bizarre to me that like he he chose to do it when he had never done it yeah. before. And then also, like, this is this is the condition in the will. So, like, what, what, what I don't understand. Is it just you're rebelling against your dead father? Which is a trope. So, But, and risking being unable to access your money and find your sister. Yeah. To get drunk when you claim you aren't even dependent on it. Right. I don't know. He's dumb. Yeah, he's dumb. I mean, to be, to give him a little bit of credit, I think maybe... Even if he had asked questions, the person that he trusted was telling him, you know, no, there's nothing you can do. So you still got a second opinion. I mean, yes, but anyway, I also find it really hard to believe that, like, within the peerage, everyone would just be like, yes, you speak for this duke. I obviously liked Anthony a little bit more than you did. I had some issues with him, but not as many as you did. So one of the things, okay, so Lucy is a gifted artist. Mm -hmm. She's very poor. So she doesn't have like a studio at home. Right. Which is one of the things she's really, so she, I thought this was actually kind of an interesting depiction. Um, When, even when you're like gifted at something, you still need some measure of privilege or money to be able to access that. Mm -hmm. Right. So she's like really gifted. She's been accepted in the Royal Academy, which first of all was really hard for women. Second of all, was really hard if you're poor and she was both a woman and poor. Um, But she, she also had to go home and like work a second job other than being a student. Right. Um, 
And at that point, like by the time her job was over, she didn't have time to come up with like an exhibition painting, for example, mm -hmm. to submit um, to get patrons. Right. Right. So I, I actually thought that that depiction was really interesting. So I like that a mm -hmm. lot. Yeah. Well, and I like so she's got a best friend mm -hmm. at the Academy who's very, very wealthy. And there's frequent mention of how Lucy does sometimes accept favors, mm -hmm. but doing so is always like a mental game she's playing with herself about what she thinks is too much. And like that, that insecurity socially, I thought was pretty authentic. Yeah. So I, I thought that was really, I, I liked that nuance in her character. Yeah. So Lane said it already. Anthony's sister is missing. So she ran away from home and said she married some guy. With a circus performer. Circus. You cannot get more trophy. <laughs> yep. And so he's trying to he's trying to find her. Uh, which is why he goes into all these bad neighborhoods at night. Besides wanting to get drunk. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, yes, Anthony's going to get blackmailed into marrying someone he doesn't want to marry. Who was, I think, the most inconsistent character in this entire book, and that's saying something. The person that he doesn't want to marry? Yeah, I don't yeah. understand. Like, she was so inconsistently depicted from one scene to the next. I have no idea what we're supposed to think about her. I, it was interesting. Uh, and then I think we talked about everything else. Yeah, Anthony's dyslexic. Is there anything else I, like, forgot? There's a lot yeah. of stuff. No, I think that's a lot of it. Um, it I, there is a little bit of weird, contrived coincidence where a doctor who had medical control hmm. over someone Anthony's history is now also involved with the raising of Lucy's house. Right, because it has to do with uh, what what were the laws called? They, the they tenant have, something. Yeah, they were the tenant rights, but they have to do with um, like medical things, like yeah, you know, um, epidemics and stuff like that. Right. So that's why, like, the doctor would come and say, "Yeah, this place is is unhealthy. It's unsanitary. We have to get rid of these." Um, these buildings where people live, basically. Well, and they're not, like, targeting Lucy because of her association with Anthony. It's yeah. all just a coincidence that, like, the bad guys who have controlled all the tragedy in Anthony's life are also, weirdly, the same team trying to demolish Lucy's house. Yeah. So, so I think the main difference between us is, like, I recognize this is a hot mess, but I also loved it and thought it was really so fun to read. Whereas... I ended up hate reading it, but had a great time. Yeah, so we both had a great time reading it, but for different yeah. reasons. Yeah. So, FYI. Okay, I really liked that. So, spoiler alert, this is a romance novel. They have sex in it, okay? After they, they end up together? What? <laughs> After they have sex, he's like, yeah, we're getting married, which was, like, giving me the, the winter make peace vibes that I wanted. So I was like, okay, that's cool with me. Um, so here's the thing with Winter Makepeace. He is assuming something about a widow who has a lot of power. Mm -hmm. Not a lot in terms of, like, societal dealings, because clearly, like, women, no matter how wealthy. But tons of romance novels lean into the most powerful women in society are wealthy widows. Mm -hmm. 
in this case, he just assumes they're getting married, but like no thought has been given to all of the very real and legitimate issues that would come from it. So rather than being like, I mean, it's cute. It, it, it also didn't seem like a moral thing in the way it was with Winter. Yes. Like it's not no, like that yes. for him sex equated to marriage. It's not like he was a virgin who'd been waiting until he was getting married. It was just like they had sex and it pops into his head and he just wasn't thinking. Well, he's also, okay. So this I'm going to spoil some stuff here, okay? Yeah. So the the first time they have sex is on the night of his 30th birthday. Yeah. So he's having a birthday party at his house and at midnight that's when he turns 30, right? Mm-hmm. So all during the first part of the party he's not drinking and then like the clock strikes 12 and he starts throwing back champagne and then Well, that is that had been his plan. Yes. And then Lucy's at his place and he's like, actually, why don't we celebrate in my room? And they do. So that's like the first yeah, thing. And he brought that. prostitutes there, like with the intent of sleeping with them. Mm-hmm. But what? he thought with Lucy instead. <laughs> and he like wakes up the next morning. And to me, I don't know. I just really liked this whole, he's like, I'm a new man. I'm now in control of my fortune. I now can do whatever I want. And what I want to do is marry Lucy. So that's what I think I really liked about it. <laughs> you sure. know, he's like the first decision as a free man that I'm going to make is I want to marry this woman. And I look, I'm, I love that. Fair. So I, 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 I liked it a lot. <laughs> I did. I, I will agree with you totally that I did like that the villains got what was coming to them. Oh my and God. not in a sinister, really violent, like, random murder way. Just yes. in, like, a, there is no redemption for the evil. There's no redemption. He's like, I'm taking you to court. And the guy's like, what about my family? And he's like, you should have thought about that before you did all this bad shit, basically. Yeah. He's like, sorry. Like, I feel bad for them. But also, it's not my fault that you did right. all this bad shit, you know? Right. So it made me really happy, especially like recently we've read a few books that that kind of forgave people, which yeah. uh, which I understand. Like we should all be forgiving people and you know not seek vengeance, but but sometimes this isn't vengeance. It was like it was justice. Well, and I'm not saying redemption is impossible. But I am saying, if you're going to tell me about all the really horrific things someone did, if you're going to redeem them, that better be earned. Right. And we've read a lot of books recently where it wasn't earned. So it was nice here to have all the bad guys basically be told, yeah, you're in trouble and you know it. And no, we're not letting you off easy. Yeah. And it, as, as Lane said, this wasn't a sinister book, which is, oh, we do have to think of the family. So what we'll do is we'll take this one bad apple and kill him. Kill them discreetly and bury them in the backyard. And no throw, one will ever ask. <laughs> throw it, throw him in the cabin and burn <laughs> it. I um love that book. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! But that didn't happen here either. So no one was murdered by the hero. No one was murdered by the hero. That's true. That's very true. Which is, you know what? I also really liked about Anthony. He was not a murderer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so what content warnings would you say there are for this book? 
I mean, we talked about alcoholism. I think the major content warning is that this alcoholism is very easily cured once he decides to do it for the love of a good woman. Yeah, I would also point out that she gets drunk and is tipsy for their first sexual encounter, not the first time they have sex. Yeah. And the author tried to pay lip service to, like, him making sure she was sober by having her um, draw an evil cow. (laughs) And I did not feel convinced that it was consensual. (laughs) I didn't feel convinced that she was... Sober enough to consent. Sober. Yeah. Consensual in the sense of she wanted, oh, absolutely. But, like, I just, why do you have to make a big deal about how drunk the heroine is five pages before a sexual encounter? Like, just tone it down. Make her tipsy. Yeah, just tone it down a little bit. Exactly. I agree with you on that one. Uh, And then this this is something we've seen, actually, in quite a few historicals. There's some medical abuse, especially towards women, where women are either misdiagnosed or not just misdiagnosed. They're confined against their will. Well, I'd go even further. Like, clearly that's the worst of it. But even the way he's kept in, like, legal limbo. Mm-hmm. I, I think you see a lot of ways that systemic system of, of power in place at this time could just as easily be used to falsely reduce someone's rights. Right. So. so sexiness. We also disagree on sexiness because I thought this book was pretty sexy. There, I, I, I like, I thought it was very sexy, actually. This author's word choices just didn't work for me. <laughs> At one point, he shoved his tongue in her mouth in the middle of having sex. And I was like, I just don't know that that sounds sexy. It's like, Bleh. I mean, it's not sexy. It's earthy lane. <laughs> I, like, this is 100% where I will say I get why Meg says it was sexy. There's, it's steamy. There's carriage sex. These two people have the hots for each other big time. I mean, their first time is at his 30th birthday, which is also like a Bacchanalian orgy, pretty much. Which, like, yeah. not their sex, but, like, the party. is The party. Orgy. Uh-huh. So, like, I get where all that stuff is really fun, but I think this is where it falls into, if I hate both main characters, I don't care how explicit it is. I'm just like, what the fuck are you two doing? My, fa- I, my yeah. favorite was they had angsty goodbye sex in a carriage. It was also not secret goodbye. Like, they mm-hmm. both were like, this is the last time we will ever be alone together. <laughs> so we better make the most of it in this carriage right now. And I was here for it. I admired them for that decision. You just didn't think it was sexy. I just didn't think it was sexy. Like, I needed, I needed this book to be, like, a little bit worse or a little bit better. Or maybe not take itself so seriously. Yeah. I don't know what I mean, what would have made it a little worse or a little better. But, like, this book ended up so forgettably middle of the road for me. Look, I cannot say that this was, like, a good book. Right. But I can say that I was not bored, I think, at any point in reading this book. I wanted to find out what was going on. Uh, I was really interested in all of the historical research she had done. So like about the Royal Academy, about asylums, mm-hmm. about the tenant laws. Uh, that stuff was just really fascinating to me. And so, again, I, I totally read this book and had no issues reading it. And was very entertained. And I really liked it. I was frequently bored. 
I think when I like laughed out loud, it brought me back and I was like, oh, that's why I'm reading this. But I, <laughs> I found especially like she starts trolling Shoreditch to like sort of investigate his sister. Mm-hmm. And there's a couple of different scenes like that that I thought could have been consolidated. A lot of the scenes with her aunt, I don't, didn't read super well to me. All of the scenes with the woman he's going to be forced to marry, I think could have been cut. Like all the drama with her dress. I don't know what I was supposed to get from that. Oh. Like the villains. I don't even way, care. Way too like, much time on the page. I was like, put more angst in there. That's what that's what it was for me. And I know. Oh, and again, I'm normally the one who's like, I don't like angst, but I was like, you know, lay it on, lay it on me. Like, don't get me wrong. I like ultimately this book was more of like a pleasant. I got to hate read something. It was pretty fun. I'm gonna forget I did it tomorrow. But I, I needed something to be different here, so I cannot recommend this book. I, I don't know if I recommend this book, but if you're looking for something that, in my opinion, will is very entertaining and will give you some historical facts, then you should read it. Also, some pre-Raphaelite painters actually show up on the page, so that was cool. I love the pre-Raphaelites. <laughs> so is this just like pre-Raphaelite fan fiction about real people? Maybe. The pre-Raphaelites had some weird ass lives so actually now I want to go read about like Dante Gabriel Rossetti and find out like what was he doing (laughs) maybe Anthony was was Rossetti Uh, no he was not Rossetti (laughs) never mind he wasn't Rossetti but maybe he was one of the other pre-raphaelite painters I don't know that much about I want to find out now I think that sounds like a great project yeah so thank you guys so much for listening and you know if you read this book I would honestly like love to hear your opinion on it because this book, as you can tell, really sparked a lot of conversation for us. So yeah. And you can tell us at Instagram at plot or on Goodreads slash plot We are going to post our review in both places and you can give us comments and let us know. Uh, And before you do that, remember to rate review and subscribe to podcasts.